myself. This morning, our gospel lesson comes from the book of Matthew, and it can be found on page 22 in the New Testament section of your pew Bible. Matthew's gospel, the 21st chapter, we're going to be reading a passage entitled, Jesus' Triumphal Entry into Jerusalem. Hear now the word of the Lord. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he had entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we bow before you this morning. And Lord, we thank you for this Palm Sunday, the opportunity that we have to gather together, the opportunity that we have to hear from your word, to remember that day when you entered in on the back of a donkey, an animal of peace. You came to a community, a city in turmoil. You entered into a world in turmoil, became incarnate, and lived among us. And Lord, throughout this week, we'll see the turmoil. We'll experience that inner turmoil ourselves as we journey towards the cross of Christ. We may even have questions. Why is this happening? How could this happen to our God and our King? But then as we stand there at the foot of the cross, we look upon the face, the broken body of our Savior. And we know why. You entered into the turmoil. You left the beauty and splendor of heaven to come and live life on our level out of love for us. Your body was broken. Your blood was shed so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could walk in relationship with you, so that we could experience the glory and the hope of that resurrected life. And so, Father, today I pray that you would speak, and Lord, that the turmoil we may be experiencing in different aspects and facets of our lives, that, Lord, you would speak words of peace, that you would draw us from those places we might know you, our faith might increase, and our trust in you might grow. These things we ask that you might be honored and glorified. So God, we ask now that you would speak to us. It's in Christ's name and to his honor and glory that we ask all these things. And together, all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Fred Craddock, one of the storied professors of the last hundred years, one of the great preachers of the 20th century describes the triumphal entry of Jesus on the back of that donkey into the city of Jerusalem to begin Passion Week as a parade 
a protest, and also a funeral procession. It's often the first of those I think of on the triumphal entry, this parade. And we can see how it's a parade. We can see Jesus heading into the city accompanied by the throngs of people, people lining the streets. When we read those gospel accounts, we can't help but see that. Our minds see the meek and mild Jesus riding in, palm branches and coats set down in front of him. The powerful and the marginalized are standing side by side. It's truly something that has never happened before. The religious leaders are standing there. They've come out to see what's going on now. They might be there for a few different reasons. They're probably self-justified in their own righteousness. They're probably thinking of what, what else could have be happening on this day. But there are those who are pious, those who believe that the Messiah and Savior has come, and they are there singing with all their might, shouting and praising God because they believe God is doing a new thing. Yet if we look long enough and if we continue to peel back the layers of that day, we can see exactly what Craddock also says, that this is also a protest. Because the white stallion that a conquering king or general would often ride in on, showing their might, their splendor, their greatness, was now replaced by an animal signifying peace, an animal of humility. The flowing and grand robes of that conquering king or general have been exchanged for a common tunic and sandals worn by this carpenter turned rabbi. The, the, the detachment of soldiers that would have been there as a parade normally took place have been exchanged for fishermen and tax collectors. The ordinary people who are lining the streets, putting their robes, their coats, their palms at the feet of the king. And of course, the idea of this being a funeral procession also makes sense. It makes sense to those of us who have at one time or another journeyed to the foot of the cross of Christ on Good Friday. Now for the crowds, for the disciples, this probably wasn't something that was in their minds. They probably didn't think that the week would end as it would. They probably gave no consideration to the fact that Holy Thursday and Good Friday was about to come. No, the death of Jesus, the death of the one that they were following, the death of this carpenter turned rabbi was the furthest thing from their minds. They couldn't imagine that something so horrific as that crucifixion on Friday would take place. Now sure, some of the members of the Sanhedrin, they probably had thoughts, they had hopes, they had desires that something like that would happen. But to think that the one who was riding on the back of this donkey would be dead by the end of the week... Even they would have a hard time fathoming that. But for those of us who know passion story, for those of us who have made that journey to the foot of the cross of Christ, we know how this week is going to end. We know that there will be anguished cries from the cross. We know that we'll experience the silent and seeming defeat of Holy Saturday. All that will have to happen before we can experience the resurrection hope of Easter Sunday. So could it be for all those reasons, the parade, the protest, and the funeral procession, that Matthew makes this statement in his gospel? He says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil. They were asking, who is this? Who is this? 
Now, I have to confess, I've preached on Passions, or Palm Sunday, I know at least more than two handfuls of times. Yet for all the times I've preached, for all the times I've read this account, I've always tended to think of the triumph rather than the turmoil. Yet this year, for some reason, the turmoil is what sticks in my mind. Maybe it's because of the events of the past year or, or the past years or even the past week. I got to thinking the last time I was supposed to preach on this text from Matthew was 2020. The last time I sat down and read this account from the book of Matthew, it was to an empty sanctuary. We were all in lockdown. I don't know about you, but there was some turmoil there. And there still is. And then I thought about the events of this past week, the past few weeks, the shooting at Covenant School in Nashville, the tornadoes that have ravaged and brought so much havoc throughout the South, the earthquake that hit San Diego just yesterday. Even last evening, all the power went out in the area. Shingles blew off the roof. Small in comparison to other things, but turmoil nonetheless. This year, I think it's the turmoil rather than the triumph that so many have experienced. In recent days, you may have experienced a variety of emotions, a plethora of concerns. Maybe you have questions. How? Why do these things continue to take place? How long, oh God, will this last, as the psalmist says? Why does it seem that sometimes things go from challenging to more challenging? overnight. These are big concerns, weighty questions, big weights upon our shoulders. You know what that is? That's turmoil. In recent weeks, I've had many meetings and phone calls, FaceTime chats with those who are dealing with some of those things. Despair over the present moment, or maybe they're looking forward, trying to find some hope to cling to. For some, there's still the fear of what might still come. One conversation more than others stuck out this week. In one call, I was speaking with a friend who lives in Nashville, who's providing, providing pastoral care to those families, to the community who are affected by the tragedy of this week. And the question kept coming up, how do we move forward? Where do we go from here? What do the next few weeks look like? What do the next few months look like? How do we best support and walk with those who have experienced such tragedy? And again, my mind drifted back to a few years ago. I remember meeting with a couple in April of 2020. They were slated to get married. For months, they had been planning. For months, they had been getting everything set, sending out the invitations. They were so excited about their wedding. And then the news of COVID-19 came. They, too, had questions. With gatherings of pretty much every size stopped, would they be able to have their wedding? Would anyone be there to celebrate them? And they also wondered just about some logistics. With 
businesses and offices closed, would they even be able to get their marriage license? Would, be able, would they be able to exchange their vows and start their life as a couple doing all those things that they had planned to do? Turmoil. Turmoil at every turn. In today's text, Jesus enters into one of the most troubled and tumultuous places on earth, a place of struggle, conflict, and confrontation. The city of Jerusalem historically has been characterized by upheaval, fighting, instability, turmoil. From the killing of prophets to the fighting of many wars, Jerusalem has been known as a place of turmoil. Even today, it still remains a troubled place, a place of contention, a place of confrontation. But as troubled as Jerusalem is, I think this much is true. A place in most, that is most in turmoil does not have a geographical location because it's our hearts. The heart was the most troubled place in Jesus' time. People were wondering, who is this? And the heart remains tumultuous today. I mean, look at the history of the world. There are wars. There's fighting. Prophets have been killed. The battle continues to wage on in many different spheres and places. We experience it in the world around us, but we also experience it in our own lives. Maybe it's the fear of uncertainty, the fear of the unknown. Maybe it's financial loss that we're experiencing, or a broken marriage, or estrangement between family members. Maybe it's a surprise diagnosis that we didn't expect. I think if we're honest this morning, most of us could describe some sort of personal turmoil, some sort of tumultuous part of our lives. In fact, I'd encourage you to do that this morning, to think about a time of turmoil and difficulty Maybe it's a time in the past, or maybe it's a time even now, but a time when the foundations began to shift and shake, where questions began to arise. In the midst of turmoil, oftentimes we want to return to those places of security, those familiar patterns and rhythms and routines. But Jesus entered into the turmoil. And he enters into the turmoil of our lives and it presents us with new opportunities. Opportunities to cling to him in faith. Opportunities to be changed and transformed. Opportunities to be stretched. And so what if the turmoil that we're experiencing is that opportunity for God to do what he did with Abraham and say, Abram, I'm leading you to a new place. Pack up the U-Haul and let's go. Remember how that was? Abraham was settled in a place. His family was well established. And I'm sure if Abram was like any of us, he would have asked one fundamental question, God, where am I going? As we pack up the U-Haul, where are we going to be moving to? And God says, just pack. I will bless you. And he does. And indeed, Abram and Sarah and their family end up being an incredible, receiving incredible blessings and being a blessing to so many others. I think of Peter. Peter, who was in the safe, 
comfortable confines of a boat. And Jesus comes to him in the chaos on the water. And he says, Peter, come out of the boat. Again, Peter's a human being. I don't know about you, but swimming's okay, but I don't want to enter into the fray of the tumultuous water. And yet Peter gets out. And he takes a few steps before he takes his eyes off of Jesus. But although he would falter, although he would end up in the water, who else can say they've taken a few steps? They've ventured into the unknown. They've walked on water with Jesus. Friends, sometimes there's no escaping the turmoil. But we serve a God who meets us in the turmoil. And this week we enter into what is known as Holy Week. And it is going to be a week of highs and lows. There are going to be the celebrations of Palm Sunday, the hosannas that we shouted this morning. But there are going to be some difficult times this week. There's going to be that final gathering in the upstairs room with the disciples and Jesus is going to be sitting there having dinner with someone who is going to betray him. And yet he still washed his feet. And Good Friday, as we gather together, we're going to hear the account of Jesus' passion, his suffering, and his death. It's going to be a difficult day. And he's going to be placed in the tomb. And every year, Holy Saturday gets more and more spine-tingling for me because it seems so quiet. After a week that started with celebration and jubilation, after a week that began with Hosanna, now we have to deal with the Savior in a tomb. But you know what? Out of the turmoil out of the chaos of this week, God is going to do a new thing. He is going to bring life where once there was death, freedom where once sin held us in bondage, hope and the promise of eternal life. Friends, this is the God we serve. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. But may we also cling to him and hold tightly to him in those moments where we find ourselves in the turmoil of life. Amen and amen.